Welcome to another episode of Whole Bunch of Cattails. Be sure to catch up on all the latest episodes wherever you stream. This season explores the cat committee's fictional shenanigans, a weekly letter to Grayson, my daughter who's at college, updating her on the mostly real-life happenings of the previous week, and a bonus true story about the cats. A version of the weekly letters are also posted on YouTube every Friday. Check out the beacon link in the notes for YouTube and all other social media associated with Whole Bunch of Cats. Interested in supporting Whole Bunch of Cats? Beacon includes a cat treat link too. And now, without further ado, let me tell you a cat story. When we last left the cat committee, weird occurrences had been happening at the residence. Cabinet doors were left open. Things were not where they belonged. The cats were acting weird, which they explained was a distraction to keep the humans from investigating the cabinet where they were keeping a litter of bunnies. <gasps> Chapter 2. Bunnies. Day 1. I love helping Mom. Mom calls me a pet, which I don't think means well-behaved. Still a kitten. And can I help it if I, like, get into things? Although, that day, when Skylar caught me in the cabinet, I was doing something important. The other cat said I should have waited until the humans were asleep. But I thought my new friends needed me now. A few weeks before Birdie, the hunter... Hey, why did you put the hunter in quotes? Oh, Birdie, you know why. You try to catch things and they get away. Well, not everything. Remember the rabbit and her litter? Funny, that's the story Mom's about to tell. And technically, the rabbit did get away. Like, you didn't actually catch her. One day, Birdie came home with a big scratch across her nose. I laughed. (laughs) Well, you must have got a hold of something bigger than you. Apparently, Willow had already come inside to tell the cats what had happened. Turns out, Birdie's conflict was with a mama bunny. She had a new litter buried in the ground under a bush in our backyard. Birdie, not knowing what the mama was doing, decided to pounce on her. She was protecting her litter of three cute, sweet, soft, fluffy bunnies. Of course, that mama fought back. She scratched Birdie's nose and hopped away, hoping Birdie would follow. Instead, Birdie smelled something else she wanted to get her paws on. Oh my, the cuteness of those three baby bunnies was overload. They were three tiny little bunnies whose eyes were still closed. My nose hurt, but I understood why the mama attacked. Just looking at the tiny gray floofs made my heart happy. Then panic set in. How are these guys going to be okay with no mama? Birdie then realized what she'd done, scaring off the mama. She sent Willow back to the house to get help. Willow told Birdie the mom would be back if she'd go away, but it was too late. The bunnies were now Birdie's. Of course, she had no idea how to care for the bunnies. As Willow was filling the cats in, Sushi had an idea. What if we take care of the bunnies? The others were skeptical. I mean, how would they get the bunnies inside? After all, 
Three of the cats are indoor only, but they put their heads together and came up with a plan. Every morning, Skylar goes to school. They drive my car, which is parked in the garage. What the cats would need to do required perfect timing, but they thought they could pull it off. There's about 45 seconds from the time the garage door goes up and the car pulls out of the garage. They needed to make their move in that short window to avoid being seen or run over. (gasps) Also, unless they could figure out a different time frame, three cats would need to spend the night outside. Each would then carry a bunny into the garage in the morning. Birdie volunteered to be one of the cats staying outside that night. After all, she's the one that scared off the mama bunny. Or so she said. I think it was more about keeping the mama bunny away so Birdie could keep those babies. No, what if she didn't come back? I couldn't have those tiny fur balls alone all night. Willow loves being outside, so super easy for him to stay out. The third was Bamboo. He'd only recently been going outside and never for an overnight. But this was an emergency, and he was super brave that night. The three cats surrounded the nest all night, keeping the babies safe and warm. Of course, had the cats have come inside to sleep, I bet the mom would have come back to the bunnies. But I'll never know. What? We were heroes that night. So brave to protect the babies. The next morning, each cat grabbed a bunny by its neck and positioned themselves by the garage door. The door went up, and the cats ran into the garage carrying a bunny. Thankfully, Skylar was preoccupied with leaving for school and didn't even notice the cats entering the garage and certainly didn't see a bunny in each of their mouths. They were carrying them by the scruff of their neck, which is called scruffing. (laughs) I get it. Lila and Yoda, who were able to open the door from the house to garage, spent much of the previous evening in the garage, moving the drive-in blankets from a shelf to the floor, and preparing a bed for the bunnies until the bunnies could move into the house. Besides the morning escapade of getting bunnies in the garage, the cats knew everything else had to be done at night. I'm usually in living room or bedroom doing my own thing during the day. But sometimes that woman gets up for no reason wander around the house. She's getting coffee or cleaning your litter box. Sheesh. But you're right. It's not a predictable schedule. Each week, we get a newspaper mailer in the mail. We keep them by the fireplace, thinking we'll build many fires in the winter and we'll need so much newspaper. Thankfully... Newspaper makes great bedding, and since there's so much, a little bit won't be missed. Scarlet and Sushi spent the time the night before after I went to bed, shredding newspaper and lining the cabinet to the left of the kitchen sink. The members of the cat committee agreed this would be the perfect spot for three tiny bunnies. It was hidden in plain sight. Besides a soft bed in the house, the bunnies also needed to eat. They were so tiny. Their eyes were still closed. They would rely on the cats for everything. At first, the cats weren't sure what rabbits drank. But all we had was regular milk, so they hoped that would work. How did the cats actually feed them? Well, not too long ago, Skylar had their wisdom teeth out. They were sent home with a syringe. Lila thought that would make a perfect feeder for the bunnies. Since it was Skylar's, everyone knew it would be super clean. Skylar's like that. 
When I was a kitten in foster care, I was fed with a syringe. It made perfect sense. Anyway, the cats wanted to get the bunnies from the garage to the house, but needed to wait until that night. So Lila and Yoda would take turns feeding the bunnies that day. They started with what they thought would be a temporary plan, but ended up being the solution until the bunnies stopped drinking milk. The cats were hoping the syringe would work for both. They were able to experiment in the garage the first day. Now, in the garage is an extra refrigerator with two grown kids who eat a lot of cereal. We keep at least one, sometimes two gallons of milk in that refrigerator. Once the bunnies were in the garage, one cat would snuggle them to keep them warm, while the other six were busy getting the milk in the syringe. Of course, they don't have opposable thumbs or even hands, so how did they get the refrigerator door open? This took a couple of different trials to eventually get it figured out, but they did it. First, they tried to pry it open with some leftover boards from the living room floor laying around. They were able to get the plank between the handle and the door, but didn't have a way to actually pry the door open. They weren't really tall enough to use the plank for leverage. Even if they could reach it with their teeth, they couldn't actually get the door open. Sushi suggested putting something different around the handle that one or two of them could grab with their teeth and pull. In the garage was some old clothes and a bag to be donated. Bamboo dug through the bag and found a bathrobe along with the sash. There was also a desk chair with wheels. Lila held the sash in her mouth, climbed on the chair, and had Sushi and Willow roll the chair to the refrigerator handle. Lila was able to put the sash between the handle and door using her paw. Once the sash was wrapped around the handle of the fridge, Lila put both ends in her mouth, and Willow and Sushi rolled the chair away from the door. The plan worked, and the door opened. Next, they had to get the milk in the syringe without making a huge mess. The cats reasoned that if something spilled on the garage floor, no one will notice. If it spills in the refrigerator, someone will. But if it's just a little, the cats knew I would blame one of the teenagers, not the cats. Mom does not give us much credit, which allows us to stay under the radar. The milk gallon was on the bottom shelf, and luckily, there was no shelf right above it. So Lila was able to jump on the gallon. She'd pry the top off with her paw, then stick the syringe into the top of the gallon and pull the plunger with her teeth. Then she'd carry it over to take it to whatever cat was snuggling the bunnies so they'd get fed. Both cats would work together, gently putting the syringe in one bunny's mouth, holding it with their paws, and the other snuggler would push the pump down. Then Lila would repeat the process for all three. They'd leave the refrigerator door open until all three had eaten. Once done, Lila would put the lid back on the milk and close the door. Usually, there's dishes soaking in the sink in the kitchen. So cleaning the syringe was fairly easy. First, they'd take the syringe apart in the garage. At some point on that first day, the cats realized they'd have much better luck getting away with things in the garage rather than in the house. So two of them would pull the syringe apart. One would have pump in mouth, while the other would have the syringe in their mouth. Then each one would pull until it came apart. In the meantime, Bertie would go inside and beg me to turn on the faucet water. She'd do this several times a day. We'd had cats in the past that preferred water from the sink as opposed to a bowl or a fountain, 
so I thought nothing of it. I turned it on, and she'd drink and drink until I eventually just walked away. Sometimes mom would wait around forever. I drank a lot more water than usual, that's for sure. Bamboo would be on lookout and open garage door while the two with the syringe pieces would run in and jump on the sink. They drop the syringe in the soapy water, then rinse it out. Once back in the garage, they put the pieces back together. They'd have about two minutes from the time I walked away from the sink until I'd come back in to turn off the water. Those cats even practiced all of this many times to make sure their timing was right. It worked. Clean syringe before each feeding. Eventually, that first day turned to night. Scarlet hung out in my room with me and let the others know when I fell asleep. The hope was that very quietly, Bamboo, Willow, and Birdie would bring the bunnies into the house and I'd sleep right through it. Unfortunately, I'd been to the store and there were a lot of plastic bags in the cabinet close to the bunny's bed. They would have to be moved. Plastic bags are loud. Before the all-clear to bring the bunnies inside, they had to move those bags. Lila knew that I would hear them rustling around. I'm not a very deep sleeper. Lila suggested Sushi take the bags and run around the house with them, making all kinds of noise. The idea was I'd come out and check to see what's happening. First, I'd check and see the cabinet door is open, leave a bag or two in the cabinet to hide the bunny bed. Then once I saw that, I'd either go back to bed or try to pick up bags. If I tried to pick them up, Sushi would grab them and run around the house, run into my room and hide under the bed. Then she'd move around a lot, so I'd have to get the bags from her before I could go back to the kitchen. No way I would be able to go back to sleep with a noisy cat and a plastic bag under my bed. Mom never lets us sleep with her. It was the perfect distraction. That seemed like the best idea, so Scarlett let them know I was asleep. Sushi pulled out three of the five plastic grocery bags. I didn't hear. Sushi gave the all clear and Bamboo came in with one bunny. He put him in the cabinet and as he was jumping out, Bamboo stepped on a plastic bag. I yelled from my room, What are you guys up to? They heard my door open and told Bertie and Willow to take the bunnies back to the bunny bed in the garage before Mom investigates. Sometimes after I get up, I'm paranoid and will check the garage door to make sure it's closed. Since the kids had been saying the garage door had been opening at night, I decided to check the garage. First, though, I saw the cabinet door open. I closed the door. Then I checked the garage. The door was closed. I didn't see anything else out of the ordinary. Of course, I really wasn't looking, and I went back to bed. Honestly, I didn't even notice the bags on the floor. I was tired and just went right back to sleep. The cats waited a few minutes then told Willow to come on in. Then they saw that he was stuck in the garage. Darn it! When the door isn't latched, it's super simple to get the door open. But I had latched the door when I shut it, so they were going to have to put this plan on hold for a bit. Lila and Bamboo got to work opening the door. It requires a lot of scratching on the door bottom, which is very loud, especially in a silent house. Scarlet sat outside my door, listening to see if I'd gone back to sleep. Scarlet went back and forth between my door and the kitchen to keep the cat committee updated on my whereabouts. 
Scarlet let them know the TV in my room was on, so I wouldn't hear anything for a while. Meanwhile, Bamboo and Lila got the garage door open. Willow brought bunny number two inside and deposited it in the cabinet with the other bunny. Two down, one to go. Bertie brought number three in, climbed in the cabinet, dropped him with the rest, and then she snuggled around them, keeping them comfortable for the night. Everything was going mostly as planned until the next morning. Tune in next week for the continuing saga of seven cats pulling the wool over the human's eyes. And now, a word from our sponsor. Oh, that's us. Willow here. And this podcast is brought to you by a whole bunch of cats. Or specifically, members of the cat committee. And mom. Mom does the writing, recording, editing, producing. The cats are doing the laying around and being adorable. They make it easy for mom to tell our stories. And even make some up. Here's a mostly true story. Yoda, Lila, and the duck. Yoda, the super fat cat, and Lila, the stocky gray tabby, have been going outside for a few months. Yoda's brother, Bamboo, started going outside about six months ago. He's lost a lot of weight being outside, and we're hoping this will help Yoda with his weight management too. He's 18 pounds and doesn't fit in a cat carrier. Anything we can do to help him lose weight, we believe will also help him feel better. Lila has started transitioning to going outside. As you may recall, Lila came to us as a foster after being on the lamb for two years. She's an independent gal who we decided to keep after my son fell in love with her. Technically, she's his support cat that has lived here since he adopted her. Until recently, we've kept her inside. She has a history of biting anyone who she doesn't know and who tries to pick her up. As she's learned to open the garage door, we've started letting her out on the back deck. When we transition cats to the outside, we start them on the back deck. There's a sliding glass door, but no route directly from the deck to any stairs. There's not a way to the ground without jumping down to the stair rail. For the humans to get to the backyard, there's a different door. The house is a reverse one and a half. This means when you go in the back door, you either have to go upstairs or downstairs. That door has steps from the outside leading to it. The deck has small vertical rails all the way around it. Now most of the cats can go out the sliding glass door, squeeze between two of the rails, and jump down to the stairs below. This isn't terribly tricky, but it may take a while for a cat to figure out how the others got down. While they wait, to be brave enough to jump down to the stair rail, but they just hang out on the deck. For several days, I'd let Yoda and Lila out on the back deck through the sliding glass door, and they'd come in the same door. Then one day, Lila was at the front door, wanting inside. No big deal. She learned to get down. The only one then who had to stay on the deck was Yoda. He's too fat to fit through the rail and no way he's brave enough to jump down and land on the stair rail. I was partly right. Not a day or two after Lila made her way to the front door, I heard what I thought was knocking. I went to the door and there was Yoda. 
he'd managed to get the glass door open and was pushed between the glass door and the wooden front door, banging his head, trying to come inside. I let him in and assumed he, too, had figured out how to get down. He's fat, but determined. The next day, I was on the back deck with the cats. Bamboo and Birdie jumped down on the south side to the stair rail like normal. Yoda looked, but decided that wouldn't work for him. Instead, he ran full force to the other side, used his momentum to squeeze through the rails and jump 15 feet off the deck to land in the grass. To say I was stunned is an understatement. There's a concrete patio under the deck. If he had landed on that, I didn't think he'd be okay. I was hesitant to look over the edge. When I finally did, there he was, strolling up the hill out of sight. Since then, I try to only let him out the front door. He knows how to get to the back door from the stairs, and I'm hoping he won't try the diving off into oblivion approach again. Thank you for listening. And now, a weekly letter to my kid at college, outlining the unfolding drama of the Cat Committee. Dear Grayson, I'm not sure what's going on with Willow. That cat has been by my side all week. I know he's up to something. Probably mad because I won't let him go outside when it's this cold. I cannot wait for warmer temps and letting most of these cats outside to run off some energy. We took down the Christmas decorations. Of course, the Orange Brothers wanted to help. As they stepped in the middle of the decorations, one of them stepped on an ornament hook. Dummies. Can cats get tetanus? I guess we'll see in a few weeks. <laughs> Just kidding. Skylar got the hook out and we had leftover antibiotics from Yoda's health scare to avoid infection. Besides the clutter being gone, it's nice to have more room in the living room. Since the room was cleaned, we decided on Sunday we'd do our first live. It was on Facebook and lasted three minutes. You can watch if you want. It's on the Whole Bunch of Cats Facebook page. The cats were well behaved. I bribed them with kick sticks and treats. Neither Scarlet nor Lila were interested in participating. Instead, they each sat on the arm of chairs of the couch, watching and judging everyone. They're like that. Today, avocado catnip treats came for the cats. I stuck them to the inside of the sliding glass door for them to play with. Sushi preferred the cap at first. Once I took that from her, she did rub her nose on the catnip ball. Then she promptly took a nap. Scarlet watched me put the avocados on the door. She rubbed them for a second too. Then, in pure Scarlet fashion, she put her nose up and walked away. That girl is so funny. I can hear her meowing while playing in another room, but as soon as I go to see what she's doing or say anything, she immediately stops, like, that's below her. Any thoughts on what you'll do after graduation? I'll sure miss Yoda and Bamboo, but I know they'll be happy with you and no other cats. Can't wait for you to be home this summer. Make good choices. Love, Mom. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Whole Bunch of Cat Tales. Join me next week for another chapter of the Cat Shenanigans. A short, mostly true story. And a letter to Grayson. Creating a podcast takes more than just me. Thanks to Buzzsprout for hosting the site. An epidemic sound for the tunes. If you're interested in podcasting, 
affiliate links are in the notes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, reach out via social media or email me wholebunchofcats at gmail.com. Thanks for your support. Have a great week. Make good choices. Love, the Cat Committee.